0: is something that's very special to my heart. It's about, it's almost a continuation of what we shared and what we've discussed last Sunday. And um, the title of my message is God's Treasure in Earthen Vessels. God's Treasure in Earthen Vessels. We're going to go to two openings of the Bible, so please You have your Bibles with you. We will read 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7, and then Natasha will read for us 2 Kings chapter 4 verses 1 through 6. Natasha, are you ready? Praise God. Thank you. Let's read... 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, the Apostle Paul is writing to the Corinthians. And among other things, he says to them, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Let's read it again. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. The Bible is very clear that we are the carriers of God's treasure. The carriers of God's treasure. God has chosen to place the unsearchable riches of Christ in vessels of clay, like us. That is is a a wonderful and a powerful revelation. When we grasp hold of what we carry within us, we become, in our attitude, uh, transformed individuals. The revelation of this very truth, once we receive it, puts us not only in a very privileged position, but also on a very responsible one. Responsible in a sense that we must communicate and we must share what we have received from God in Christ Jesus. So we are not only privileged, but we are also responsible. With privilege comes great responsibility as well. The Apostle Paul, writing to the Romans, he says to them that he considered himself as a debtor. He says that in Romans chapter 1 and verse 14, I am a debtor, he says, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So, as much as in me, as it is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are also in Rome. You see, he considered himself as a debtor, that he owed a debt to the world. And um, what kind of debt is Paul speaking about? He's speaking about a spiritual debt, because he answers that, that we can answer that question by verse 15. He says, As much as it is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. In another place, he says, Woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. He was compelled to to go to the ends of the earth to share the love of God with all nations, to the Greeks, he says, and to the barbarians, to the wise and to the unwise. In uh, Romans chapter 13 and verse 8, he repeats the same thing. He says, Oh, no men, anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. Now, according to these various scriptures, we are spiritually indebted to our generation. Would you agree with that? We owe them a debt. What is that debt that we owe? To love them. To share the love of God with them. We owe them the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of God's redeeming love. And the way we pay our debt to them is by sharing the love of God, both in word as well as in deed, as it is revealed in the gospel of Christ. So, I want you to think about that. Not only you are privileged, but you're also responsible. What does that make us when God says, You are my carrier, the carrier of my treasures of wisdom and knowledge and love and grace and mercy. That makes us people of great value, wouldn't you say so? We are people of great worth and great value, not because of ourselves, but because of whom we carry within us, the very treasure of God himself. Paul uh, said it this way, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Now, in light of that, I'm going to base my teaching today on one of the most powerful stories in the Bible. It's one of my favorite stories because it's the story of my life as well. And in the story, the prophet Elisha gives an instruction to a widow who came to him in a state of desperation. She was desperate because her husband died and left her with huge debts, and in those days, if you didn't have money to pay your debts, they would sell your children into slavery. So this woman was desperate, so she came to the prophet and related her situation to her, and listened to what the prophet said to her. Now, before we go to that instruction. The woman believed what the prophet said and she did it and not only she delivered herself from the burden of debt but the bible says that she also provided financially for her and her two sons and the principle that i'm going to share with you today is applicable to us in our day and age because spiritual principles work any place, anywhere, anytime. They are universal. They will always work when we put them to work. Now, let's um, read that story and I want Natasha to begin reading from 2 Kings. If you have your Bibles, you can open your Bibles and read together with, with Natasha. Thank you, Natasha. Second Kings chapter four verses one through six.
1: A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, "Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant fears the Lord. And the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves." So Elisha said to her, "What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house?" And she said, "Your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil." Then he said, Go, borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few, and when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, then pour into all those vessels, and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. Night came to pass, when the vessels were full, that she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. And he said to her, There is
0: not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Thank you, Natasha. As I mentioned to you, I love this story because I have preached on it many times through the years. And um, as I've said to you, that it's also the story of my life. I've always seen myself ever since I was born again. I don't know the Holy Spirit unconsciously or um, just just led me to believe that, that I was a debtor both to my Greek country fellowmen as well as to non-Greeks. And so for 40 years, this is my testimony in the Lord, and I give thanks to God. I have traveled the world over searching and looking for empty vessels so that I could pour into them the very things that I have received from Christ my Lord. And what a journey it has been. I've enjoyed every minute of it. And you know what? If I had another life, I would do exactly the same and nothing different. Looking for empty vessels, for vessels that are hungry and thirsty for knowledge, for the Word of God, for the wisdom of God, for the grace of God, so that I can pour and share with them that which the Lord has blessed me with. Now, please notice what the prophet asked the widow woman. When she related to him her problem, her desperation, he said to her, What have you got in your house? What is it that you have in your house? And I believe the same question is being asked of us by the Holy Spirit today. What have you got in your house? What have you received from the Lord Jesus Christ? What has He blessed you with? What has He given you? And here is lesson number one. Focusing on what we have will deliver us from the spirit of ingratitude, and complaining about the things that we don't have. And so often our focus goes on things that we do not have, instead of placing our attention and our focus on the things that we do have, the things that we have received from the Lord, and thanking Him for it. That attitude of gratitude, I believe positions us in a place of giving and releasing rather than hoarding. When you become thankful, and the more thankful you become of what you have, you become more appreciative of the things that you have received from the Lord. You add more value to them by thanking God for each and every one of them. That is why the psalmist in Psalm 103 he talks to his soul and he says my soul bless the lord and all that is within me bless his holy name and do not forget all of his blessings. And then he goes on to list all the blessings that he received from the lord who forgives all your iniquities who heals all your diseases who delivers your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, who renews your youth like the eagle, and he lists each and every blessing he received. And we ought to do the same every single day. Before we ask anything, Let us give thanks. Let us give praise. Let us maintain an attitude of gratitude towards the Lord for the things that He has done and the things that He does for us every single day. It's amazing when you start thanking God about what you have received, you realize that you have much more than what you thought you have received. Are you with me? So we need to develop that that attitude, and stop complaining about those things that we don't have. And I believe when we become grateful, when we become thankful, then we are positioned to release and to bless as well. Not holding on what we have received, but according to the word, we release it, we work with it, and we invest it in the life of other people. There is no greater investment, my brother, my sister, than investing in people's lives. These investments will last throughout eternity as you invest in someone else's life, whatever it be, whether it be love, encouragement, resources, as you invest into them, you never lose what you invest in people. You will always receive it 30, 60, and 100 fold in return. Now, remember what Jesus said in Matthew 24, where he talks about the master who was going on a long journey and he gave to one of his servants five talents, to the other two, and to the other one. He who received five, the Bible says he worked with them, he traded with them, and he made another five. He who received the two traded with them, and he made another two. But the one who received the one... Because he had a wrong view of his master, he said he was afraid and he went and hid it in the ground. Well, when the master returned, you know the story, he called him a lazy servant. Not only did he lose what he was given, but he was also cast into outer darkness. In other words, he lost his soul. And so it is vitally important that we communicate, we share, we work and we, um, we get busy with what we have received from the Lord. We don't sit on it. We don't hold it. We release it. We give it to someone else so that it can come back to us, not in the same measure. But as Jesus said, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. That is a universal principle. And as I say, principles know no distance, no time, and they are impartial. Anyone can put them to work. Amen. you can put it to work. the, the, the most uh, uh, lowly person can put it to work and and, um, and and you you can only experience the blessing of it as you work with that principle. It's what I call principle of multiplication. so. The prophet instructed this poor widow, who only had a little jar of oil, to search and to find empty vessels. And notice the prophet said, not a few. In other words, find as many as you can and pour from the little into those empty vessels. And the more she poured, the word says, the more she had. The more she poured, the more she had. And the oil only stopped running when there were no more empty vessels. Let's pause there and ask this question. Where do you think the oil came from? Where do you think the oil came from and filled all those empty vessels? It came from the unseen realm of the fourth dimension. And that is where we believers ought to live every single day, in the realm of the Spirit. There is abundance there. There is wisdom. There is knowledge. There is understanding. There is resources. There is never any lack in the kingdom of God. That's where it came from. Amen? But notice, the oil stopped running where there was no more vessels to pour in. That tells me that the anointing on your life for multiplication will cease to operate in your life when you stop pouring out. If you don't pour, you will stagnate. No doubt about it. Are you listening to me? The anointing on our lives for multiplication, for growth, will cease to operate in our lives when we stop giving out of what we have received. This very principle goes contrary to human wisdom and natural intelligence. Natural wisdom says, well, keep what you have. Hold on to it tight so that you don't lose it. The wisdom of God says, lose it so you can find it again. It's opposite of the world's wisdom. Not only you will find it, but you will find it in a greater measure. In keeping it, listen to what the book of Proverbs says, the wisdom of God, in keeping it, not releasing it, the book of Proverbs says you become poor. Look at Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24. There is one who scatters, yet increases more. There is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. Did you hear that? The more you scatter, the more you increase. But if you withhold more than what is right, it leads to poverty. That's exactly what happens to many, both spiritually as well as financially. They keep what they shouldn't keep, and they end up in poverty. Spiritual poverty, stagnation, backsliding, lose the sense of the presence of God, their relationship is no longer a vibrant one because they're not sharing, they're not pouring out, they're not giving of themselves to others, they're not testifying, they're not sharing the faith, they just keep quiet. They sit on it. Then you will stagnate. The same thing will happen financially. If you keep what you shouldn't keep, then the Word of God says, Sooner or later, you will end up in poverty. Now, the law of God says that before we receive, we must first give. So here's a question. What do you lack? What do you need? Do you need love? Well, find someone who is unloved and give him some. Do you need true friends? Then become a true friend to someone else. Give out friendship. Reach out to someone. Encourage them. Befriend them. That's how you gain friends. Giving of what we have places us in a position of receiving. If we withhold, we end up in poverty. If we withhold forgiveness, we will not be forgiven. Jesus said so. Unless you forgive from your heart, your brother, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. When we withhold mercy from someone, we will not receive mercy. For blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Amen? Listen, we always attract who we are. Not what we say we are, not what we think we are. Are you with me? Amen. Praise God. Now, here is a lesson for us. Let us look carefully, prayerfully, for empty vessels and pour into them. Uh, There are many all around us. But there are certain empty vessels that have your name on it. You can't meet every need, but there are specific needs that God wants you to meet. Many are empty of encouragement. They're so discouraged. Empty of love, empty of hope, empty of the basic needs. Look out for them. Be sensitive to the Spirit. Let the Spirit of God guide you into those areas or into those vessels that God has ordained for you to pour in. Pour into them even from the little bit that you have. You know, this woman didn't have much. She said, I have a little jar of oil. It's not how much you have, is what you do with what you have that counts. Are you listening to me? It's what we do with what we have that makes the difference. So. From the little that you have, pour. The more you pour, the more you will have. The more you will have, the more you give. And the cycle continues to grow and grow and multiply. Why do I want more? So I can pour out more. Amen? It's not for ourselves. It's not so that we can hoard it. It's so that we can have more to bless many others. That is how the kingdom of God works. And that is how we should be thinking and working. What we see here is a miracle of multiplication. And that multiplication came how? Not by holding, but by releasing. Not by adding, but by subtracting. Amen? Anyone, regardless of the status, background, whether they're black or white, rich or poor, Adhere to this principle, they will never be the same again because it's God's word and it always works. Family, these are spiritual principles. They will work in your life regardless of where you are, who you are, or where you come from. And Let me give you a testimony here. A number of years ago, I'm not sure if we're going to finish this lesson today, but I'm not going to hurry it because it's an important lesson for us to learn and to grasp. A number of years ago, I was concerned about the lack of numbers in our church. And during a time of fasting and prayer, I went away to fast and pray, and I heard the Lord say these words to me. He said, son, the way I have purposed for you to grow is not by getting people into the building in Pinelands, but releasing them and sending them out of the building. Did you hear that? So often, you know, pastors are so concerned about the people they have in church. But a true uh, uh, church that grows, that is vibrant, is not how many people you have coming into the building, but how many people you are sending out from the building, commissioning them to do the work of God, whether they are in the marketplace or whether they are uh, in any other place. So the Lord said to me, The way you're going to grow is not by bringing people into the building, but by releasing them from the building and sending them out with your blessing. Now, the first people that were sent out by our apostolic authority was my wife and I. Later, of course, as you know, Stephen also is sent out and he travels with me. So we traveled and continue to travel and minister outside of our local church. And that's how the church online was established. Amen? We grew by subtraction, not by addition. I'm talking about those, of course, who were sent out of the fellowship with the blessing, with the will of God, and the blessing of the church. And I can give you testimony after testimony in regards to this principle. Every person we released and sent out by the will of God became such a huge blessing to our spiritual family. They went out by the will of God and with our blessing. As I said, the growth that we experience in numbers, particularly uh, with the, uh, the church online, they grew out of the people that we send out. Uh, we blessed Peter and we sent him out with Emma. What happened? He remained faithful to the call of God and slowly, slowly almost brought his whole family into the spiritual family. I remember many years ago we sent out Elise. She came to me and she said, "Uh, Pastor, I have this desire I want to go to the United States and I have this desire to draw close to my family. She was all alone here. She had no family here. Would you please pray with me? I did. And I bore witness to that desire which I believe the Lord put on her heart. We sent her out. We released her. We blessed her. You know what? She's become one of the greatest blessings of this ministry. She... (laughs) She, she administers, she runs every time we need funds. She runs to the bank. She sends us the funds every time. Somebody needs a teaching, she copies it. She sends it out to them. And not only that, she brought her whole family in. Johann, Antoinette, Michael Marx, Kyla Marx. What a blessing. Others have gone out. And I'm looking forward to the, to the fruit that others are going to bring in because they went out with our blessing. And as you go out, sooner or later, as you as you start to share, as you start to give, as you start to release that which you have received, growth and multiplication will come. And I, I, I have come, we have come, all of us have come to know and dearly love uh, people who were brought into our spiritual family by those we were willing to release and send out. We sold them out. And now we are reaping a harvest. You know, when they left, we were sad to see them go. Uh, They're not in the flesh with us anymore. (laughs) And we experienced a sense of loss. That's what happens when you release, when you let go rather than hold. But in due time, we began to see the value of this special principle that God instituted in His kingdom. The Bible says God so loved the world. And what did He do? Because He loved, He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God had one beloved Son. He sowed Him. He gave Him to the sinful world. Look at the harvest. What an awesome harvest of sons and daughters He has received. Amen. I repeat, these are universal laws. They will work anywhere, everywhere, and anytime we put them to work. So, look at our lives. Look at your life. Take stock of what you lack, what you need. Write it down. Do you need money? Well, that's not going to come by crying to your employer for an increase. I'm not being paid enough. I'm not being honored enough. That's not going to come. Growth multiplication in your finances is not going to come that way. Take from the little money that you do have and sow it into a fertile ground. Well, you ask, what's a fertile ground? Well, read your Bible. God instituted the principle of the tithe, of first fruits, praise uh, offerings, and offerings of different kinds. And he said, offerings for the poor. All of these are avenues in which we can sow. These are fertile grounds. Sow your tithe. Sow your offerings with faith, with thanksgiving in your heart, and watch the Lord grow it and multiply it. Amen. Hello. Are you with me? Praise God. The scripture says, You ask, what's a fertile ground, Pastor? Both in the epistle to the Galatians, as well as to the Corinthians, as well as to Timothy in the first Timothy, that you are to sow and bless the lives of those who sow spiritually into your life. Someone said, I'm so poor, I can't even pay attention. Well, the reply came back saying, you're not poor, you're just ignorant. Amen. Praise God. Ignorance of spiritual laws can lead us into spiritual bondage and financial bondage. Look at Isaiah chapter 5 verse 13. Therefore my people have gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. Did you hear that? God says my people have gone into captivity, why? Because they have no knowledge. Talking about spiritual knowledge. Knowledge of spiritual principles. Praise God. We need to understand that when we are pouring out, listen, we are sowing into our future. Not into your present. You're sowing into your future. That's what you're doing. You may not have much now, but we can be assured there is coming our way a a harvest if we are faithful to these spiritual laws that have been revealed to us. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verses 1 and 2, it says, Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a serving to seven, and also to eight, for you do not know what evil will be on the earth. That tells me that if I am a giver, I don't have to worry about what will happen tomorrow. I don't have to be concerned about economic crisis, about inflation, about recessions. Why? Because the seeds that I have sown will always produce a harvest if I do so with faith and with love and with thanksgiving in my heart. They will come back on every wave. They will come back. You give one way, they will come back seven ways. That is the scripture. He says, you never know what evil will come on the earth. Why does he say that? He says, if you give to seven, if you give to eight, then you don't worry because all that, the one may bring forth, the other one may not, but the other one will bring forth fruit and a harvest. And you don't have to worry about recessions. You don't have to worry about economic crisis. You don't have to worry about the interest rates going up. Why? Because no other institution will give you the return on what you sow except the kingdom of God. 30, 60, 100 fold in return.